0: Okay, some of you recognize that music. Does anybody recognize that music? Breaking Bad, you have this in your bullets If you want to pull that out, do you realize some of you don't know anything about Breaking Bad, but here's the deal. Breaking Bad is in the Guinness World Book of Records this year as being the highest rated TV show of all time. This is it. That's how popular this TV show is. It's tremendously popular, and it's about a brilliant chemist who has a wonderful family and a wonderful extended family and everything's going well in his life and he makes some really bad decisions and by the time you get to the end of the series, all of his most vital relationships have fallen apart. We're going to spend four weeks talking about relationships. And relationships have a very broad appeal to everybody, all of us. As goes your relationships, so goes your life. So we want to talk about this series. We want to. We, we recognize the fact that this, and the Bible talks about this, relationships left to their own, they just drift. They do. They spiral downwards. But they don't have to spiral downwards. There's things we can do. So for the next four weeks, starting next week, we're going to probably do one of the most relevant series we will do all year because it's focused on this thing that has this broad appeal to everybody. And so we've given you this card because we hope that maybe you'll invite somebody. I want to, I want to show you two statistics. There are things that uh, have been studied, and this is what we found out. So up on the screen here, we see this. Dr. Tom Rainer did this. 82% of your friends and family are waiting to be invited to church. That's why we gave you this, and that's why you can forward or you can do something on Facebook to talk about it. We don't want anybody to feel, you know, under pressure or compulsion, but we did want you to know that 82% of your friends and family are waiting to be invited to church. And when you think about this, next week is Food Truck Sunday. So, if you bring a friend, they eat free. And that has tremendous broad appeal. Uh, free lunch. Just, you know, and we've got these great food trucks coming. We have a very relevant series, uh, topic, which is on relationships. And we have this world record, uh, TV show that is going to be the backdrop to this whole thing. Now, there's another statistic, and it says this. 98% of churchgoers never extend an invitation. Those two statistics are like running at each other, okay? And I know sometimes that, you know, you'll go to church and you'll hear somebody say, oh, you got to invite people. Look, I'm uh, extroverts can do that really easily. I'm an introvert, so that comes hard for me. So if you're like me and you're an introvert, but this is an easy way. I mean, I can say to my friends, hey, you want a free lunch? That's an easy thing to do, right? To show up at church. Or you want to talk about something that's relevant to all of us like relationships. That's an easy thing to do. So we're trying to give you an easy way to tell people about a very relevant topic that has broad appeal. This should be a very interesting series to be a part of. Okay, Um, before we transition, since next week we kick off relationships, I had said last week, We want to give God honor and praise for where God is answering prayers. So I selected. I've been sent all kinds of answers to prayer. And if you've had an answer to prayer, please send them my way because I have a big file that I'm creating. I just chose two today and they both have to do with relationships. And so this was what was written. I wanted to share a praise report with you. A A few weeks ago, a person came to the prayer wall where our prayer team is over there in desperate need for reconciliation in their marriage. Things were very bleak and hopeless in this relationship, and they were quite discouraged. All about their marriage. We prayed, and they said from that moment on, something totally changed and has been dramatically improving ever since. So I just want to give praise to God that, you know, marriages are tough. Relationships are tough. This is what we're going to see in this Breaking Bad series. God is moving in the hearts and lives of people. All right, I got another one for you. I prayed for a guy who had searched and searched and searched and prayed and prayed and prayed to get married. And now he was totally hopeless, he was angry, and he was doubting God. We prayed for a while. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God brought a wonderful woman into his life. And today he's thrilled to be married and has two children. So I just want to encourage you with this. If you're married... And your relationship isn't everything that you want it to be, God hears your prayers. And if you're single, and ninety plus percent of people who are single have a desire to get married, that God sees your heart and he sees your prayers, and God is answering prayers. Okay. Enough of that. Let's turn to this. What's up with this church? That's the title of today's message. And here's here's what I want to talk about. Where are we going as a church? what is god calling us to as a church maybe you've been around for a long time and you're fuzzy on that maybe this is your first sunday here and you just like to know hey what's up with this church what is it all about today we're going to talk about the vision that has god has given this church what direction we're headed into and why we're headed that way and at the end of this message i'm going to invite you to join the vision i'm going to invite you to be a part of this vision that god has put on our hearts So I have five words I am basing this entire message upon. It's Acts 2.43. It simply says this, everyone was filled with awe. That's talking about the church in the book of Acts and Acts chapter 2, which everybody will agree is kind of like the golden age of the church, like when the church got it right. Like Jesus had just gone to heaven and the Holy Spirit was poured out and they were just, they were on the move and things were about as good as you can get. And then you get these five words everyone was filled with awe you've seen mountains before let's look at the mountain see that mountain they're majestic aren't they you ever seen a mountain that you just looked at it you were there and you're like your jaw just dropped you're like oh that is incredible that's what they do i went to a friend of mine he was getting married out in oregon and we went up to mount hood and we rounded a bend, and all of a sudden, there, what, there it was in all of its majesty. And I thought, "Ah, oh, that's amazing, absolutely amazing. That is what was going on in that church in Acts chapter 2. Now, here's the question, everybody. Haven't you always wondered, isn't there more to life? I mean, you know, there's got to be more to this whole relationship with Jesus thing. There's got to be more to it. That's on an individual level. Haven't you also wondered to yourself corporately, as a church, as a group of people, gosh, it feels like I have a whisper in my soul like there must be more. And what I'm here to tell you today is there is. There is more. There is more individually and there's more corporately. I really want to talk about the more corporately. They were filled with awe. Why can't we? Why shouldn't we? How do we get to that place where we are filled with all? Here is where God is leading us. God has put on my heart that it's time for something new, Isaiah 43. God says, behold, I'm going to do a new thing. Now, if I ask you to raise your hand, I bet at least half of us in this place would raise our hands and say, yes, I, I would love for God to do something new in my life. I would love for God to make a way where there is no way in my life about something that I'm praying about or dealing with and for God to do something completely new in my life. And this is what God is saying in Isaiah 43. He wants to do something new. How was it that they were filled with awe? What were they doing that led them to this point that they were filled with awe? There are three things that they were focused on as you read through the text. And there are three things that I want to talk to you about this morning that lead us to that point. And the first one is this. The story of Jesus. They were focused on the story of Jesus. Now that word comes through in multiple times throughout the life of Jesus, and throughout the New Testament as the word gospel. That word tends to throw us off. It was a word that was very relevant to them, but we're like, what does that mean? How does that? So I want to explain that word for just a second. That word basically means the story of Jesus Christ. The word gospel means good news. So they didn't have CNN back then, right? And they didn't have the Washington Post, so they didn't have people running around reporting. They had people on the television doing that. So what they had was this. They sent out reporters and they would go all over the countryside and they would share the news stories, the top news stories of what has taken place. Now, the word gospel was only for the biggest of the big news stories. So in other words, these reporters, which they called, anybody know? Evangelists, is what they called called evangelists, they would go out and they would tell the biggest of the big news stories. They wouldn't tell about Mrs. Jones's cat that went missing. They would never tell anything like that. Gospel was reserved for the biggest of the big news stories, and they would go out and tell it. So when, when it says they went out and told the good news of Jesus, they're telling his story. And it was a world-changing story. And they reported this story. They told the story about Jesus Christ and what he had done. That story is simple, but it's extravagant. It's plain but it's powerful and they told the story over and over again and it knocked people off their feet that story everybody has universal appeal now the problem is is we we hear often oh man yeah you know, people don't i mean don't be evangelizing me don't be trying to spread it. i mean don't you, you know why you know why people react to that story sometimes because we load that story up with stuff that's not supposed to be there we load it up with what we think needs to get in there because of our own personal preferences, because of our own cultural preferences. And we weigh the story down. We pollute it. And we rob. We just studied the book of Galatians. What were they dealing with in Galatians? They were dealing with that. Paul's like, why have you left the story behind? Why didn't you leave the story the story? Why did you add a bunch of stuff to it? Because that's what we do as human beings. And what God is calling us to is to stick to the story. And that story, everyone, is a story of love and of sacrifice, and of rescue. Jesus Christ rescues all of us who will call on him. Why do we need to be rescued? Because the reality is, is we are in danger. We are going to die because of our sin. And he comes along to rescue us. Now listen, all the greatest stories in the world are based on that story. Jesus is the one that made that popular about the rescue about the rescue think about all the fairy tale stories about rescue where do you think that came from came from the story the story of jesus christ and that story everybody has massive universal appeal so let's look at a picture do you know what this movie is right that's the second biggest box office hit of all time titanic what's it a story of love sacrifice and rescue. He sacrifices his life so that she can live. And why did it have such massive universal appeal? Because it's based on the same story of Jesus Christ. What does it mean to be a church for people who don't go to church? Here's what it means in a nutshell. We stick to the story and we don't load it up with a bunch of other stuff. Let me give you an example, okay? When uh, I graduated from high school, I went over to Germany. Went to Germany for a few months to study at a particular school. And over in Germany, here's the thing, here's the thing. When you went to their churches, like, like in church, in the church building, like before church and after church, they would drink. They'd drink alcohol. It was just no big deal. That's what you do in Germany. Now, all the Americans who were coming to the school and going to the German churches and like, think about it, everybody, for a second. I like if you're drinking in church, that really changes the flavor of church. I thought like, It really livens things up. And here's the cool thing. You know, I'm not saying we're going to do this, but I'm just saying, if I could let all of you guys drink, all of a sudden I would get a lot better. Are you <laughs> know what I'm saying? Like. Everything gets funny. It's when I do when I do weddings, this, I'm sorry, side note. When I do weddings, it'd be interesting like right after the wedding, I'll have some people sometimes come and say, "Hey, pastor, that was good." And I notice about 2 or 3 hours into the reception and all the booze is flowing, people come to, me, "You're the most awesome pastor in the world." You know what I'm saying? It's just incredible. We need more alcohol in church. Okay. So, <laughs> what I'm what 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 I'm saying is over there. What got moved into the story, what got moved into the story is it's okay to have alcohol, but in America it's not okay. So our part of our deal to the story is, is alcohol is not a part of the story. Now, what was their problem with us? We all went to movies. And in Germany, if you're a Christian, you go to the movies, you're going to hell. Straight to hell. There's no doubt about it. Drink all the alcohol you want, but don't you dare go to a movie. And now here you go. It got grafted into the story. Are you understand where I'm coming from? We begin to put stuff in the story that shouldn't be there. Now look, after you receive the story, maybe it's going to affect the way you live your life, but it should not go into the core of the story. Because that's how you get, that's how you begin to move people away. If you, if you put that stuff in the story, right? you begin to preach to the choir all the time. Does that make sense? And then you just get a certain set of people who like, look like you, believe like you, think like you. Their politics are just like you, okay? But the story is meant to be the story without becoming loaded down and polluted. We are radically focused on the story of Jesus Christ, which is a story of love and sacrifice and rescue. Look, sacrifice is really important. The Bible says this is how we know what love is. This is how we know what love is. That Jesus Christ sacrificed his life for us. Now, I want you to think about it for a second. There A lot of people say, hey, look, man, I believe in a God of love. I just believe in a God. I don't need somebody to sacrifice. I just believe in a God of love. Really? Does anybody on this planet function that way? Look, so, so if somebody says that or you believe that, here's my question to you. Why do you believe in a God of love? Do you have any basis for that? I just do. How do we know in this world what touches us deeply and resonates with us that somebody is loving? What do we point to? All right, NFL Hall of Fame. Let's go to that. You ever watched it? You watch these big, tough football players get up there and start bawling and crying all over the place? What are they talking about, everybody? In many cases, they're talking about their mother. And what do they do? What do they do? To tell you how much she loved them what do they do my mom is my hero tears flowing my mom is my hero she worked two and three jobs and sacrifice for me mama i love you mama i love you why sacrifice It's always tied to sacrifice. What moves your heart deeply is when you hear a love story and it's tied to sacrifice. Everybody, that story of Jesus Christ has universal appeal and it allows us to be a church for people who don't go to church because whether you're a churchgoer or not churchgoer, whether you live in India or America, that story resonates as long as you'll keep all your other stuff out of it and there'll be pressure to put other stuff in it. And what we're saying here is we're going to reject that pressure. And we're going to stick to it. And the Galatians, they caved to it. And it says they lost all their power. The story of Jesus Christ. Well, I'm not going to say anything else about that. Second thing is the concern of Jesus. They were really into the story of Jesus in the book. And that's why they were filled with awe. That's why they were like, "Ah, oh, I can't believe this. story." Of Jesus. And then the concern of Jesus Christ. Well, that's good. Galatians, the book we just got done studying, it says it so clearly. They're all into the story of Jesus in the book of Galatians. And then there's this point. In Galatians 2.10, where it says, Paul's getting ready to go out, getting, and this says, look, Paul, we know you're into the story of Jesus. We only have one other, notice this, we only have one other thing for you to do. To do what? Remember those in need. Remember the poor. Serve. Jesus Christ came to serve and not to be served. And the church in the book of Acts that was filled with all was into the story of Jesus and to the concern of Jesus Christ. So we're going to stop right now. And we're going to have a missions moment. Elise, our missions director, is going to come out with Danielle, and they're going to share with us a missions that we are doing here in Arlington and Alexandria. Please take it away.
1: Good morning, everyone. Like John said, my name Elise. I'm the director. Give a round of applause. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to get there. <laughs> um, it's my pleasure this morning to introduce Danielle Miller. Um, she is the um, director of Tira Lagua. Um, A few years ago, um, a group of people, including Danielle, moved into a neighborhood comprised mostly of people who were different than them with the sole intention of learning how to love those people um, and to follow God's heart and um, figure out how to join with them and serve them. And um, Grace has been partnered with Costa Chirilagua from the beginning, uh, about seven years ago, and Danielle is here to talk a little bit more about that.
2: Good morning. Thank you for having me here with you this morning. I am someone who believes that when God looks down on us, He does not see Grace Community Church and Alexandria Presbyterian and the Methodist Church that's down the street and Casa Chirilawa, but He looks down and He sees people. And between those people are relationships. And so at Casa Chirilawa, sure, it's a, it's a, a vehicle that God uses to bring change and transformation and to bring people together. But when he looks down, he really sees those relationships. And we say that at Casa Chirilawa, we are uh, building relationships or developing relationships with families to see the Chirilawa neighborhood transformed by Christ. And so Casa Chirilawa is a family. When we say mi casa es su casa, we really mean that. We are a network of the family of God, and we are all learning together to love our neighbors as ourselves. So, I wanted to give you a brief update of how Grace is involved at our, at our organization. We have after school programs, mentoring programs, we have leadership development for young people, uh, we have Bible studies and all of these great ways to get involved. And here at Grace, Grace provides bus, the buses for us to transport our kids for field trips. We have translators from Grace, we have board members from grace staff members members of the development committee you can be a mentor a bible study leader uh, an after-school program volunteer and these are all ways that you can bring god's love relationally into the community because we say that programs don't transform people but christ-centered relationships do now i love what john is saying here because we all, if we look at the scripture, if we just take a little bit of time looking at it, we know that God has a special heart for the poor, the widow, the immigrant, and the fatherless because they are the vulnerable among us and they tend to be taken advantage of and not have the same opportunities as the rest of us. Well, several of the people in my community fit that poor and immigrant category But I want to talk about another one this morning and that's the fatherless. A lot of our kids have a mom in their lives, but they don't have a father. I was just thinking about our middle school boys and was frustrated. How many of you know that working with middle school students, people who do that have a special blessing waiting for them in heaven? Yes, I have learned that over the past few years. And um, as we've been working with them, I've been particularly frustrated with my middle school boys. I was like, Lord, why is their behavior so bad? And I wrote their names down, and I reviewed the list, and I said, show me, Lord, show me what's going on here. 14 out of 18 of our students have really bad behavior in a group setting. And I said, what's going on? And the Lord, I started thinking, and he said, fathers. And I started looking at the list, and 77% of our middle school boys did not have a consistent positive father in their lives. And the ones who did were not a behavior issue. Now, this is a calling of the church. You don't have to move into my neighborhood, but you should be concerned about this. Because I also identified that most of these boys have a really hard time understanding that God loves them. And how can you understand that God loves you if your earthly father walked out on you? And so what I'm, one of the things that I want to ask you today is you can come by our booth and ask how to get involved. But we are calling for men to come and to be a part of these discipleship pods that will walk alongside three middle school students in partnership with one other adult to just listen and to just love and to play soccer with them. And as you do life with them on a weekly basis, you'll have a chance to share with them about a heavenly father who will never leave them and who will never forsake them. So if the Lord is putting something in your heart, I would love for you to come and visit us afterward. We need the diversity of the body. And another thing about if you're considering getting involved at CASA, I also want to say don't get involved because you think CASA needs you. And don't get involved because you think one of these kids needs you. But maybe we should get involved because you need. Them. Because I can guarantee you, if you talk to anyone who's wearing one of these shirts, who's involved at CASA, they can tell you how much more rich their lives have become by building a relationship with a family that's just a little bit different than they are. So we are so grateful to you, Grace Community Church, and the ways that you are a part of the extended family of God. Through CASA, because somos familia, we are family, the family of God. And we invite you to come and be a part of the family of God through CASA.
1: So we encourage you to stop by um, the CASA booth um, afterwards. Um, We're also doing a 5K race um, on October 18th and um, for walkers and runners um, and all the proceeds from that race go to CASA and supporting the work they do in the community and um, most of the community will be there. Um, running and walking and um, alongside so it's a great time to, to hang out um, You have a, a whole handout both about what Danielle talked about and about the race um, So if you are interested in that walkers runners Neither you can also volunteer or just donate um, so come see us um, afterwards and thanks for being family
0: Thank you so much Danielle and Lise. Appreciate it. Okay, so what, what, what was this church doing in the book of Acts? They were so filled with awe. Why, why was that happening? They stuck to the story. It's critically important. Critically important. They got active in Jesus' concern. And here's the final thing. They invited Jesus' promise. The promise of Jesus, which is the Holy Spirit. So Jesus Christ says in John 14, I will ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit who will help you and always be with you. The book of Ephesians calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of promise. And the Holy Spirit changes everything. It takes these three ingredients, the story, the concern, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit for all of this to happen. So, like, the story and the concern were already in place with the disciples except for the promise. It wasn't until Acts chapter 2, which is so clear, that now the Holy Spirit is poured out that everything changes and their lives are transformed. It was like shock and awe. Shock and all, because what happened? And God whispers in all of our hearts that there must be something more to life individually, and He whispers to our hearts there must be something more corporately in His church that I'm looking for. And what I'm here to say to you today is, is that whisper is for real. There is something more, and you don't have to go through the emotions. There's something more in life. And this is what they did. And if we will follow that same game plan, if we will focus ourselves in the same way, could we as well be filled with awe? Now, to conclude this whole thing out, I want to suggest to you three things that we see from the scriptures that is the net result of doing this. The story, the concern, and inviting the Holy Spirit. And think about how it brings something new. So here we go. Let's wrap this thing up with this. There was a new perspective for them. They gained a new perspective in life. Who knows what Jesus' favorite miracle is? And what I mean by Jesus' favorite miracle, I mean what kind of miracle did Jesus perform in the Scriptures that we have record of more than any other miracle that He did? Anybody know what it is? Open the eyes of the blind. He opened more eyes of the blind than anything else. That should mean something to us. It means that he wants to give us a new perspective. And so when Jesus is with his disciples a lot of times, the disciples are like, I don't get it, Jesus. You know, what are you doing? And it's like Jesus can see something that they can't see. And when their eyes were opened up after the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts 2, they were in awe of what they, it was like standing at the mountaintop, looking at the mountain and the majesty of the It's Like, oh my goodness. I finally see what would happen if we focused on this and in the whole church gained a new perspective. Our eyes were opened and we saw in a new way. Uh, we're told in Luke chapter four, when Jesus Christ began his ministry, he said, I have come to open your eyes. Now look, let's give one case in point. The woman at the well in the gospel of John, the woman at the well. So what you have here is you have this woman who is a Samaritan woman. There was a massive racial and cultural divide. They were divided racially and culturally. So, the disciples look at this Samaritan woman and they say, "Well, there's nothing going on there. This is a waste of our time." Jesus looks at this woman and says, "God is at work here." In addition to the massive racial and cultural divide, there was a behavioral divide. She had had 5 husbands and was now living with her boyfriend. And behaviorally, that did not work for the disciples. So racially, it doesn't work for the disciples and behaviorally it doesn't work for the disciples And they look at this woman. and They say what in the world are you doing? Jesus and jesus sees something completely different They can't see god at work and jesus sees god at work all over the place. Are you catching me? What if we had our eyes opened up and we could see Acts chapter 9, the Apostle Paul he can't stand Christians. He can't stand Jesus Christ. Can't stand it. He's on his way to Damascus. He's going to throw a bunch of Christians in jail. He can't stand it. And God knocks him on his butt on the way there. And then he goes into Damascus and he's blind. He can't see. Now, check this out what happens in Acts chapter 9. We're told that he was filled with the holy spirit and then it says this word immediately immediately scales fell off of his eyes and he could see what i'm suggesting you do what if you could see differently what if you could see your spouse differently what if you could see your boss differently what if you could see the world differently and that's what jesus saw he saw differently because he had a different perspective and how would that change your life they were in awe because their eyes were opened and they could see differently now i'm going to show you a picture who is this person who Gandhi. Was Gandhi a Christian? Was Gandhi a Christian? No, he was Hindu. He was Hindu. Do you know that he based his philosophy on the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus' Sermon on the Mount? Did you realize that? Do you, do, you, do you realize that Gandhi loved Jesus Christ? Do you realize that? That he loved Jesus Christ and was deeply impacted by Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, but never ever considered becoming a Christian? Do you realize that? Do you know why? Because when he got into the Sermon on the Mount, he became so intrigued by Jesus Christ and he began to study, he decided, I'm going to go to church. And when he walked up the steps to go to church, you know what happened? They saw him coming and they threw him out. That sickens me. And you say, John, that's an extreme example. Okay, whatever. It sickens me that that happened because a group of Christians did not have perspective. They had the wrong perspective. What I want to challenge you with is what if this church in Arlington, Virginia had a new perspective, the perspective that Jesus Christ saw with, what would it do to our lives and what would it do to our city we must gain the eyes of Jesus Christ. And it happens when you stick to the story. You're active in His concern and you're inviting the promise of the Holy Spirit. We get a new perspective. Second thing we see that happens here. There's new perspective. Second thing is there's new power. It's the net result. New power. Jesus says in Luke 24 I am going to clothe you with power. What's He talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit coming. Acts chapter 1. I'm going to clothe you with power. What's He talking about? He's talking about the Holy Spirit coming. Inviting the Holy Spirit to fall on us. We We see that in Peter. I talked about him last week. This guy wanted to be the guy. He wanted to be an honorable, consistent, stable, stick to his word guy. When he said to Jesus Christ, "I'll never leave you," he wanted to be that guy, but he couldn't be that guy. And so, when problems erupted, a little girl came and confronts him. "Hey, aren't you one of Jesus' followers?" "Oh no, 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 not me, not me!" Scared to death of a little girl. Then, then. The Holy Spirit is poured out. And what what do you see happening in Peter's life? He stares down an angry mob that says, we're going to kill you, and he's unflappable. There is new power when the Holy Spirit is poured out. Last week, I talked about the influence of the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5.18, right? So it says, don't get drunk with alcohol, right? Don't get drunk on alcohol, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Here's a good reason to sign up for a community group. I held up a a big, huge bottle of Jack Daniels uh, last week. I was going to bring it in this week, and my wife, Krista, she said, you're not gonna, She knows so much about alcohol. She said, you're not going to hold that bottle of Jim Daniels up again this week. are Jack Daniels, Jack Daniels. So here's a good reason to be a part of a community group. I, I needed that sermon prop. Uh, uh, by the way, I never had so much interest in a sermon prop before, okay? I shot my community group at Wednesday at 5 o'clock last week. I said, does anybody have a big bottle of alcohol? 30 seconds later, I got an email back. You'll have it in two hours. So... <clears throat> It's better than propane taxi, right? It's like, boo, here it is. Okay, brought it right to me. So here's the thing. There's a lot of things we could say, but I want to tell you one thing. I think this is why the Bible tells us, it, it talks about alcohol here. Think about this. Is there any way possible that I could drink an entire bottle of Jack Daniels and not be changed? I mean, Is it, is it possible that I could drink an entire bottle of Jack Daniels and not be seriously influenced? Is it, I'm telling you, the chances of that happening are nil, right? Is there any chance that you can invite the Holy Spirit into your life on a day to sit and to drink of the Holy Spirit every day and not be influenced? Look, I challenged you last week to do that. And I wish we could stop now and just say, who did that and whose life was changed? I'll just give you one example. I got a phone call the other day from somebody, from somebody who was doing this, a story about somebody who's doing it. And you know what they said? Their entire life has been completely changed this week. They're a new person as a result of inviting the Spirit. Here's the th- here's the certainty. The certainty is, is if you drink the bottle of Jack Daniels, you will be changed. And the certainty is, if you invite the power of the Holy Spirit into your life, Jesus has promised, you will be changed. You will be changed. It's going to happen. And we will never be the church that Jesus Christ envisioned. We will never be that church that stands in all until we begin to do that. It's not going to happen. Period. Period. That's why we've got to do it. Nobody wants to play church. When we play church, it gets sick. It's the kind of church that throws Gandhi back down the steps and says, We don't need you here. We're getting ready to call the police if you try to come up these steps again. It's terrible. But what we want is a church that stands in awe of Almighty God because of the power of God at work. Now, let's do another picture. I know I'm running out of time. Who is that? Right. 1955, Montgomery, Alabama. He is arrested taken to jail. He's released in the middle of the night. He comes home. He gets home and he receives a phone call. It's a death threat. He goes to bed. He can't sleep. He goes into his kitchen in the middle of the night and he sits there all by himself. And you know what he was saying to himself? That's it. I give up. I can't do it. He was ready to stop. You know what happened? For some reason, he says this, I felt compelled to pray for the power that my father used to talk to me about. My father said there is a power that makes a way where there is no way. And he felt to, compelled to pray, let that power fall on me. And it did. And Dr. King says that he felt the presence of God in a way that he had never felt before. Now here's what you need to know. It was from that point forward that he never turned back. He ne- what would have happened if he would have turned back? Huh? Huh? He received a power from the Holy Spirit, from the Holy Spirit that kept him moving forward. What's going to happen if you don't have that power in your life? What lives are you going to blow up on your trail because you don't have that power? We need the power of God. Last thing new peace. Final piece of this is that we have new peace. So the Holy Spirit is poured out in Acts chapter 2, right? Holy Spirit's poured out. And, be, and as the Holy Spirit's being poured out, we get this long list of all these nations. We call it in biblical terms, we call it the table of nations. Why? Why? I mean, you read these things in the Bible, you're like, oh my gosh, is God just putting it there to show me that I can't pronounce all of these names? I don't know. You know, what's the, what's the deal with all these, with all these names there? We're told that the, the Holy Spirit comes down and they start speaking in tongues. What does that mean, speaking in tongues? The word tongue simply means languages. So all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit allowed there to be a common language. This is what you need to know. There's a common language because the Holy Spirit is poured out and all the nations can are now united. Well, when's the last time we saw all the nations listed? So all the nations listed in Genesis chapter 10. Big, long list, of table of nations. And then in Genesis chapter 11, something unusual happens. We're told the Tower of Babel, right? And what happened to the Tower of Babel? Here's what you need to know what happened to the Tower of Babel. Racial and cultural conflict happened. The curse of racial and cultural conflict took place. Let's show this picture. We have a problem. We have it. You don't think we have a problem? We have a problem. And I'm about ready to tell you something that's an absolute fact. Okay? We have a problem. There is a curse. Acts chapter 2 is the reverse of the curse. The reverse of the curse happens with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Okay? We desperately need that. And what I'm asking you to do is to stick to the story of Jesus get active in his concern, and to invite his promise. Wouldn't it be beautiful if this church was able to rise up and be that in this community? Wouldn't that be awesome? Let me give you a fact. Ready for this? In church, anybody been to a Pentecostal charismatic church? Anybody? Some of you have, okay? Here's the deal. For those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about. These are churches, and it's not just those churches, but these are churches that are specifically, at least they're known theologically for being about the Holy Spirit, for inviting the presence. They're like all about the Spirit, Okay? Now I'm not saying that non-Pentecostal churches I'm not someone saying don't 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 go too far with this. Just stick to the example. And those churches that are really into the invitation and the presence of the Holy Spirit there, here is a known fact around the world. They are the most diverse racially racially, and culturally institutions on the face of this planet. What does that mean to you? That means that what God said in Acts chapter 2 is a reality. It actually takes place where the Holy Spirit is, is poured out. People come together and division is gone. It's broken down by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The curse is reversed. Do we sense the need for that to take place? And our country, and our city, and our world, this is a great calling that God puts us on. Now, we have a decision to make then. Do we want to join with that vision, to be a church that says, you know what? I'm not going to get into my own personal preferences of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm just going to stick to the story. You know what? I'm going to get active in the concern of Jesus Christ that he came to serve, not to be served. And I'm going to invite every day on me and on my church the promise of Jesus Christ. The net effect is new perspective, new power, and new peace. And if that happened in this city, it would be shock and awe. My thing to you today is this. I want to invite all of you to be a part of that. I want to ask as we conclude in prayer that you seriously consider, you know what, Yep, yeah, boom, I'm jumping in with both feet. I want to immerse myself in the same thing that they immerse themselves in. I want to be filled with that same awe because I know there's something more. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You, Lord, so much, God, for Your Word, that You give us in Your Word this hope that we don't just have to go through the motions, that there is something more, that whisper that is in all of our souls. There must be something more. And you confirm it to us in your word that there is. God, as each one of us just grapples with this today, as we think about, God, do I want to join in on this vision? Lord, help us to make the right decision, the decision that you want us to make. Help us to be the church that you want us to be. Help us to be that people that are filled with awe. You know, everybody, I just want to, as we're just heads bowed, eyes closed, we're thinking about this. I just want to pause for a second, just a few moments of silence, and for each one of us to wrestle with God about these issues. Heavenly Father, as we, we wrestle with this, be near to us and help us, Lord, to make the decision that you want us to make lead us down that path that you want us to go for your honor and your glory. In Christ's holy name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.